Thank you so much for listening to DNVR Biz. For the 95% of you that are listening to this through a mobile device, I would really appreciate it if you opened up that app right now and gave this a five-star review. It's the only way for this podcast to become more visible and reach more people. Thanks again. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to DNVR Biz. Man. What an amazing episode I have today. It's the longest one we've ever recorded. Uh, my brother Oren Lamina came on today, and man, we can just talk forever. He's so inspiring. He's so smart. He's so talented. He's probably the most talented person that I know. Oren started his media career at Fox Sports Rocky Mountain, doing Rockies broadcasts and other things. He went to 1043 The Fan. I worked with him at Mile High Sports. He came on my show a lot. He worked with Peter Burns. They did the first live streaming show online that was on denverpost.com. He led Food Chain, which is the dopest hip-hop group ever that ever came out of Denver, in my opinion. You know, now he's, like, writing copy. He's writing scripts. He's dealing with major players uh, out in L.A., He's voice acting. He's actually starring in an incredible media product that we're developing here that we have been uh, that's going to be coming out soon at DNVR that I can't really tell you too much about. But the guy has done anything and everything when it comes to media. He understands the front end and the back end. And he's just such an incredible interview and an incredible friend. And I'm, I'm so excited to have him on and have you listen to this. And it's actually, I'm going to speed through this because the interview was so long um, <laughs> that I'm going to skip stocks and I'm going to skip crypto. I'm going to real quick jump into a book I'm reading right now, The Pilgrimage. It is another Paulo Coelho book. And as you know, I'm a huge Paulo Coelho stan. I absolutely think he's the most magnificent writer of my lifetime. And he wrote The Pilgrimage before he wrote The Alchemist. This is his personal story and his personal journey that inspired him to write The Alchemist, which I think is the most important book for anyone to read. The quote for today, which I actually tweeted, but I thought that it was awesome, was the ship is safest when it's in port, but that's not what ships were meant for. Take with that what you will. Let's go to the interview with the one and only Oren Lamena. Just wanted you to be proud of me. Uh, you told me you was down for me. Uh, I just wanted you to be proud of me. Uh, okay, Oren, hey, thanks for joining me, man. Appreciate the time today. Thanks for having me, my man, Brandon Spano. We back in the saddle again. Back in the saddle again. Uh, we've done this a few times, huh? It's been, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, Nolan Arenado, is that one of your Denver Nolan Arenado shirts? Yeah, yeah, yeah. this is a DNVR. Yeah, Nolan Arenado. Uh, this is the uh, Nolan being Nolan. Yeah, so these are these just are being amazing. a witch, just being a, a witch on the hot corner. That's all. Nothing yeah. big. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. She's got the shades. You see that? She's got the shades. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, hitting hitting dongers. Okay, I didn't mean to sidetrack. My bad. My bad. Yeah, yeah, man. So, man, you you're doing a lot of stuff, and I, I want to take it back to the beginning here and ask, how did you get into sports media? Wow, that was a long one. Um, seems so long ago. I moved yeah, yeah, back yeah. From, it was a long time. I moved ago. back from from Florida, living in Florida right before nine eleven. I'm dating myself, but it doesn't matter. That black don't crack. 
So I moved, <laughs> I moved to Florida just to get away from Denver at the turn of the century. And I was down there right when 9-11 hit. And then the Florida economy, I was working in mortgage banking at the time, loan originations. Wow. And I had no idea. Yeah. I never guessed. Yeah. Warren Lamenta, the, yeah. Load, the loan originator. <laughs> it was not, it wasn't going well, even before that. And it got even worse after 9-11. And so I moved, I picked up and I moved back and my now current ex-wife, but my soon-to-be wife at the time was living in Denver. We were doing the long distance relationship thing. So it was good for us to just, you know, sort of get back in the saddle and, and not have to do it from a long distance. And I was working just, you know, I came back, I was working at a, a foreclosure law office and I enrolled myself. I saw a commercial on television. Remember that? We used to watch television. I saw a commercial on television for the Ohio Center for Broadcasting. And Oh, um, okay. Colorado Media yeah. School now. Yeah. Colorado Media School now. And I was like, well, screw it. You know, it had always been... You know, it, it, I was at that crossroads in my life. Long, short, go to school, get out of school. Um, it, was, it, was, it was a really good experience. You know what I mean? Uh, I got introduced to the, to, the, to the broadcast world. You know, a couple internships, one at Fox 31, you know, one at Channel 4, CBS 4. And, you know, didn't really know where I wanted to take it, to be quite honest with you. I thought that what I learned when I was there is that the tech stuff really appealed to me, the editing and the camera stuff really, you know, it, it really stuck with me and I was good at it. And I was really good at writing scripts for like commercials and stuff when we'd have projects. And so I thought I was going to be the advertising world's, you know, next big star. So I put together a portfolio of all these commercials that I had made and I went around to all these advertising spots. Nobody was biting, bro. No biting. And what I didn't notice, I, well, what I noticed every day I'd come home uh, at the time, my, my wife and I we were married by then. Every time I'd come home, there'd be a Fox Sports Net Rocky Mountain van in our complex. And I'd look at it and I'd go into the house. And every day I'd see this van and I was out of school. The advertising, <laughs> the advertising career wasn't, wasn't going well, <laughs> meaning that nothing was happening at all. I was working at Cherry Creek Athletic uh, Club and what a, I had one other, oh, and I was still at the law office. So I was splitting time because my wife had just had our daughter, Kasena, and, you know, she was doing the stay-at-home mom thing, and, and we, we were good. You know, I was holding it down with two jobs. And one day I got bold, and I just wrote a letter, and I put it on who now, he's one of my best friends in the world, Charlie Felix. Shout out to my man, Charlie Felix. Um, he's still uh, a cinematographer, photographer for Fox Sports Net Rocky Mountain, who is now, what are they now? Uh, they've been through so many iterations. Root? They're not even rooting. No, not, not Root. AT&T Sportsnet. AT&T Sportsnet. So shout out to Charlie Felix. I put a note on his car and I half-heartedly expected to get a response, but I did. And you put a note on his was, car. I put a note on, I his, love that. on his FSN. I, on his I, FSN I love that. Thing. I love that. And he actually took it to his PD. And what I said in the note was basically, hey, I'm fresh out of media school. Um, I'm looking for opportunities. And if you know anybody, I don't know you from Adam. We obviously live in the same complex, I hope. If you know anybody that could help me. And what he did was he took it to our program director at the time another person i have to give a shout out to which was rick schwartz who was the he was the pd over at fox sports net rocky mountain at the time and they took a shot at me i wasn't even in school b and they were like well what we can do is rick brought me in and he was like go over to metro just enroll in any class just get two credits any class and we'll give you an internship over here and the you know it's kind of the 
the the line of succession sort of glass ceiling you know way of being in the tv world at least at that time was somebody's got to die or leave before you know a, that's a right. job opens that's up right. and then classic sports the media ranks. classic sports that's media. right yeah, yeah that's right easier to become and a doctor than to work in sports media that's right <laughs> With a, uh, to become a doctor all you have to do is get through school you graduate you're a doctor that's right congratulations that's right. yeah yeah that's you graduate right. school to go to sports media congratulations you're still never getting the sports media you're still never gonna get it and you know having had just had a new baby i wasn't really trying to do the whole thing that you usually have to do to get in media right which is travel from bugs Cuss, oklahoma to you know you know, wherever the hell else is next, Backwoods Town trying to move up from market 357 all the way up to market whatever. And Rick Schwartz took a shot. He, he was going to give me this internship. And lo and behold, somebody left. And they just took a shot on me and gave me a job as a production assistant, sight unseen, really, outside of the fact that everybody, you know, was always like, it was the letter. Everybody said it. It was the letter. And that's how my career started. And I moved from production assistant to associate producer pretty quickly within a span of about a year. And then they brought in a guy named Dino Costa. <laughs> uh, <laughs> they brought in a guy named Dino Costa. Uh, a be... guy named Dino Costa. <laughs> you, you might know of him. You might know of the infamous Dino Costa. Um, to be kind of our, our, our local version of Jim Rome. And it wasn't working initially. It was, it was just, I don't know if it was too much or whatever. And they were just like, well, he needs a, he needs a co-host or a sidekick. And then everybody was like, Orin's always talking sports. And so my first on-air gig came, I want to say that was 2004-ish as the assistant or the stat. I was kind of like the stat boy on Ross Sports. And simultaneously in the radio side of things, I had developed a, a kind of a, because they would come in like Alfred Williams and Charles Johnson specifically, would come into FSN and, you know, we, we had a barbershop show we were doing with them. And we had, you know, Alfred was regularly on our kind of sports reporter show and right, so was right. Charles, CJ. And, and I just developed kind of a mentor, mentee, big bro, little bro. Yeah, you relationship. build relationships. You're a relationship builder. That's what I know about. I you. am. I yeah, think it's you, kind of yeah. indicative. Uh, I don't know. It's just kind of my character, you know, yeah, I and mean? I'm not going to yeah. just be a bump on a, on a log or a fly on the wall. Like I want to get into people's dish. Me too. Me too. And, you know, yeah. they, they helped me, they helped me get into the radio world, to be honest. I, I, my, my, my career started market 18 television, market 21 radio. And I, I was like, when I look at Dino Costa, it, these, uh -huh. will, these will be like weird comparisons, but and they're not completely linear in, in, in fashion. But I look at Dino Costa as like some incredibly talented athlete that was like super flawed. And he, he, he yeah. like, you know, he, like Dino Costa is like the Lawrence Phillips of like sports Without talk radio. Question. You know what I'm Without saying? Question. Dynamic personality. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Very yeah. magnetic. Knows his shit, but could not get out of his own way. And right. Can't get out of his own trouble, way. He commented, remember the Duke lacrosse rape scandal? Oh, oh, I mean, <laughs> I'm he sure, that's, I'm sure that was just a, I'm sure he did. Yeah, yeah. And he got himself fired and they looked at me and they were like, Orrin, it's your show now. And that's literally how I got that show. And Everything from there has just been kind of – it was a charmed existence in the sports world, to be quite honest. Yeah, that's such a – you know, it's, it's so crazy. You were so different and really memorable. So let's talk about the fan. So you end up getting over to the 104.3 The Fan. You build your relationships there, Alfred, CJ. I know CJ's still your boy. Get over Shout on The Fan. Shout out to Tim Spence. And The Fan – something happens at The Fan that I – that, you know, I remember – 
from the viewership side, I'll never forget to me. I mean, I, when I think of like the pinnacle of sports talk radio in Denver, I know, Mm. you know, the older heads will really think about that sentence earlier than, than the time I'm going to mention, but I really think of that 2006, 2007, 2008, that timing was to me, the pinnacle. And I, I, to me, it's like, you and DMAC doing that, it wasn't nighttime, but it wasn't, it wasn't, was it? It was, it, it, it was the night guys. It, it, were you the night guys? I thought it was just before yeah. the night. I thought it was like a seven to eight thing. And then like, it, like a yeah, seven, it, and, and it wasn't like the late, late though. Right. No, no, no. We were early evening. Okay. Know. Yeah. Early evening. That's right. That's yeah. right. And that show was incredible. I mean, I think there's a lot of people like, like, Big time sports talk guys that that listen to sports talk. And I listen to sports talk pretty much my entire life from like eight years old until like five years ago. Right. I don't listen sure. to it anymore. And so when, when people say like best show of all time, like that's a legit best show of all time. Like that show Man, still has a, that. that, that show still to this day has a cult following. It's like the, uh, it's like an old, you know, it's, it's, it's like the Goonies or something of, of like, right, right, you know what right. I'm saying? Of uh, like, it, like it wasn't, I, no one, I don't know if, how big it was at the time, but I just remember like that was the best. So I don't know. Anyway, I'm going off on a tangent, but just walk us through how, how you go in the fan and you're working with DMAC. And this is before he is the number one radio guy in the, in the region for a decade yeah. and all this stuff. Yeah, it's me to thank for that. <laughs> just just talk about all of that. I would love to hear hear about all of that. You know, Bob Call and Tim Spence really are, are the two people that, and Theory Smith. There's a lot of people who I can thank for. Rest in peace to Theory Smith. Man, who were just man. super instrumental in, in taking my love of, I'm like you, I was a P1 listener. A, a lot of what was, was, a lot of what was kind of serendipitous or kismet about my march through the fan was that they weren't unfamiliar with me because I called and harassed all of their hosts. I, Urban Joe, I was on there. I, I'd be on the line waiting to call. Theory had a, a, a real good, uh, Theory and I had a really good rapport because uh, I, I, was, I was the same with him. And so when CJ and Alfred kind of made the plug, like this kid's working in the, in the industry, he's got chops, give him a shot. I have to give it up to Bob Call, who I don't know where he is today, but I hope he's doing well. Um, and Tim Spence, who who really took a shot on a nobody. I was a nobody and a novice, and I was I was the quintessential, you know, story of a caller oh, that kind of becomes it, a you body a, a host. You body the Rome there was rant. That. There you was body the Rome I mean? rant. Yeah, it it got to a point where I had built as a caller a bit of a following, and so it wasn't that much of a stretch for them to take a shot on me. And initially, Tim had me working on weekends, and then he came to me and was like we're bringing in a guy and we're going to start a show with him and we want you to co-host with him. And I was like, for sure. And when he told me what the guy's name was, when he said DMAC, I was quite honestly expecting a brother because DMAC. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I was like, yeah, all right, yeah, two yeah. brothers, you're going to put us on at night. I'm with it. And I got to tell you this right now. There is a reason why Darren McKee, AKA DMAC is one of the, the best sports talk host. I had no idea what his background was coming in, right? I didn't know that he had the whole, you know, rock radio side going in. You know what I mean? It wasn't really a, a Google, you know, type world at the point in time. I just was happy to get the shot and the opportunity. And he taught me 
everything that I knew about radio that I became good at because that dude is not only a consummate professional, he's a great entertainer. And I'm proud of the work that we did. We had the greatest, I think it was about a two and a half year run. I'm, I'm confident that over the course of that time, we did something that has yet to really been duplicated in the market, which was, you know, a show that kind of broke down the stuffy barrier that, that, that existed at least in Denver sports talk. I'm not going to say that it was sports talk worldwide, but we shot for a sort of Rome, JT the Brick, sort of, you know, irreverent, you know, we're at night. So it's like, you know, Casual. we're out allowed to be, a, yeah, a little more loose. And, mm -hmm. and the dynamic I mean, you guys, was You guys real. would say stuff that the daytime guys definitely wouldn't say. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> and that's kind of the, that's kind of the leeway that you get when you're, when you're on at night is that it's a different, you know, I'm like you, I, I consider myself a P1 listener. You know how the, the, the day changes, you know, that it's the real stats guys, you know, that run the mornings and the, you know, the middle of the day and then afternoon drive, hopefully you can get somebody in there who can actually, you know, churn people up. And, you know, in, in the fans case, Sandy Clough was always a stalwart right after that. And then we were able to come in and just sort of set a different, set a different tone with the same information that, you know, the, the tough thing about sports talk is that, you know, you're not really going to get anything in the evening that, that hasn't been had all day. Mm -hmm. But in those instances where you do, you get a chance to, to really break some stuff. And we had that. We had a couple of trades and a couple of hyper that, that would happen in that late afternoon, early evening section where it was our thing first. And, you know, DMAC, again, he's just, you know, and I, you know, Big Al, my homeboy, my, my, my big bro. You're welcome because our time together, that two and a half years mm. or so together, mm. really shed, I think, a different light on DMAX talents. And they were like, well, we got to put him with Al when the, when, when the fan re restructured and, 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 and they threw Al and, and, and DMAX in, in, the, in the drive time slot. That was solely attributed to what DMAX and I were able to do. They even tried to recreate that dynamic, I feel like, because we did fun stuff, bro. We, we you know what I mean? We, 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 pulled on our listeners a lot we were able to have events away from the the show you know what i mean we had a couple of home run derbies that we had in the parking lot and then you know what i mean at a couple other parks vic lombardi was in one of them and you know we just had fun with it and music was a, was a large part of it and you know my music career away from 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 the radio was was a large part of what we did and dmac is a is a great drummer so like we saw eye to eye on a lot of things and we're very in terms of really wanting to loosen up the sports talk conversation and, and have it be a little more irreverent than it is stuffy. And it was just one of the greatest times of my life. And it really set me up for success for other things that I've done since I, I can truly say that. Yeah. Yeah. How did you like when you finally went solo uh, and then w this last radio thing, we'll, we'll, we'll get off a of radio, but because you ended up going solo, which you know me, I mean, I loved hosting solo. I did three hours a day of solo for, sure. for, for, for years, but how did you like solo? I remember it as being your world. It came in with your music. You had that super yeah. dope sample that came in. It's like the Rocky sample, wasn't it? Um, yeah, it, it was. Uh, it was bring out the beast. It was the bring song out the that beast. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, a yeah great, yeah. great track. And and you know the people came in. It was a different listenership. It was a, the call-ins sounded different. I called in. You know, I mean, I felt like you know, you know me, man. I felt like it was you know, this was like a guy from the neighborhood. You know what I mean? Like it was, exactly. <laughs> it was so good, man. It was, I, I would just sit out in front of my car and listen because you were for the people, you know? 
let's I just, appreciate that. Yeah, let's just jump into that just just a little bit real quick, just the solo I career. Mean, I, uh, that part I'd have to thank Theory Smith for in terms of just bringing the hood to it because I, I always, my mother, uh, God rest her soul, spoke to us in, in complete sentences and, and, and mastering the English language wasn't hard when you grew up in a house like that. So I think that a lot of people, if I'm just keeping it a buck, we're always taken aback at the dichotomy because I am very much married to my neighborhood come up and, but I am also, uh, I think, a, a better than average communicator. So right, that, right. Con, that, that, that combination was always kind of an oddity. I remember one guy calling in one time when I was doing the solo show and we were talking about Warren Sapp's comments about NFL football players were, were slaves at the time. And I was very offended by that. And, and it was, you know, when, when race or music or culture and sports get a chance to sort of uh, connect or, 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 you know, intersect, it's always an interesting time, right? Because that's where we can get to the rubber in the road, right? And I, I just remember, you know, a guy calling in and saying, well, what would you know about it? You talk like a white boy. <laughs> and I said, wow, because I can because I can pronounce words properly. That's that's a whole nother commentary in and of itself. My time by myself was dope, though, because it allowed me to, you know, when I was with DMAC, it, you know, it was just fun. And 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 he's a very good lead. So, you know, as, as it would stand, he was kind of play by play yeah. color. And I was color, you know what I mean? And so you know, I, I didn't have to work really hard when I was with D. And then, you know, you had to learn how to, you know this, you know, it, they sit you in front of, I can talk between the post, give me three hours. Right. Hitting the post and coming back and all those things are things that you have to learn. And so that's what my time alone was, was really able to teach me. It didn't really reshape my opinions. It definitely allowed me to set my own tone. And in doing so, like you, like we already talked about, it kind of allowed me to bring in, you know, elements of my personality that I think opened up the fans' listenership. And then from that to Mile High Sports after that, kind of opened up their listenership to, okay, you know, this is a place where all are welcome, so to speak. You know what I mean? It, it, so so I, I had that part down. But the, the, the professionalism, the, the knowing how to run your own show, how to speak to your producers with respect and, 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 and plan and, you know, and produce a show, not just get out there and run your mouth. And, you know, we're all the things that I learned in the solo side. And they really equipped me to, again, you know, I've just been blessed. When it comes to my broadcast career, I, I know that I walked away. You know, Denver has kind of a glass ceiling thing going on when you're not a former athlete or you're not sitting in, in one of those, you know, highly coveted chairs. You know, shout out to all the guys that I know and respect that have stuck around and did it. And, and you especially, you know, I, I, I don't, kid you when I say Brandon you're one of my inspirations because you took the solo thing and you turned it into a dolo thing you know what I mean and, and really challenged a paradigm that that I wasn't willing to I walked away from the business before I allowed them to tell me that I had to keep working weekends in order to be good enough you, you know the 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 irony is is that you know Dmax, you know rise kind of signified and pre precipitated my exit I'll call it that Mm. Not a fall, but I'll call it mm. that because mm. the, the writing was just kind of on the wall. There's not enough room for another guy who didn't play sports and doesn't have a resume behind him. And I heard that a lot. You know what I mean? And and when I stepped away from sports talk in, uh, you know, what, what year did the Broncos uh, lose the Seahawks in the Super Bowl? Oh, 2015. Uh, 2015. So when, yeah. So when I stepped away from sports talk that last time, I felt like I had gotten what I needed out of it because it wasn't going to give me what I wanted back. 
And it, I, I love the medium. I love talk radio. I think whether it's political, just, you know, social commentary, whether it's sports, I just like the fact that we can get together and still have a platform where ideas can be exchanged freely for the most part, barring you don't, you know, break FCC regulations. And I'm a P1 sport listener all the time, talk radio listener. And that's not going to change. And the podcast world has, thank God for the podcast world, exploding and, and, and reminding us that long-form conversation is a good thing. <laughs> Sound yeah. bites are, you know, are not necessary. All I, I, I want to talk about food chain, but I'm going to do, I'm just going to go one more radio question here. I got to ask sure. this. So Peter Burns is a friend of both of ours. Uh, he he's on ESPN right now, obviously doing an incredible job at the SEC network and living his dreams. And we watched him, you know, do his thing. And anybody who watched Peter work, you know, he's just a, he's just a a throwback hustler, but let's talk about that because you come over to mile high sports. And at that time I I was on MHS during the week and you guys do press box morning show. And this is the first this is the first live streaming yeah. show in the country that, that is that streaming live online. This is before right. Periscope. This is before YouTube goes live. This is before anyone's going live. This is like 2012 or something. And That's right. it's on the Denver Post site. And actually, you know, I had a lot of background and understanding of this show because I actually owned inventory inside of it. So when I, right. Peter came and said, yo, man, here, I've got these spots. You can sell these, you know. And he, he was always so, so, uh, you know, amazing like that and, and, and gracious with his time and, and, and would help me in any way. And so I would be able to go to my ad clients because I sold out my show and I own some TV stuff and whatever. And I was in the, you know, I was slanging media. So I was able to sell this brand new product and it was you and Peter and BK and sometimes Lindsay yep. Jones. And so kids would jump in there. So walk us through that. I mean, you were on the first live streaming, you know, talk show, you know, ever. I, I, it kind of fit the, it kind of fits the script, you know, uh, I'm just blessed in that regard. And I even sitting here talking about talking about it with you, it kind of reminds me that, you know, Peter, I, he landed exactly where he should be. And I, and that's to say, yeah. I know that there's there's probably more in store because that dude is, first of all, he's a great friend. Second of all, a great businessman. You probably put that as the first of all because he's just dogged in his in his approach. And when 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 he reached out, we had had interaction. I, I want to say, when did we cross paths? Let's not leave it there. All I know is is that Peter proved uh, in my life to be a very good friend, a great boss, a really good confidant. I was going through hell. Uh, in my personal life yeah, during during that time. And, yeah, and I was proved, during that time too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. You're catching hell in these streets, bro. I had, right. not, I had not done my career behind the scenes well, and that's just keeping it a buck. And he just, you know, he surprised me every time because we don't go way back, you know what I mean? He didn't have a reason to be like that. He could have been like, that's a little messy, bro. That's a little more than what yep. I want to deal with. Yep. And he did not. He He, to his credit, he wasn't only stand up. He was like somebody I knew that I could trust and lean on. And so uh, it, it was hard to, to look at what we were doing and not feel a great loyalty to it and not even really understand at the time what it was. That, you know, I think Dan Patrick might have crossed the bridge next after us uh, in terms of that live streamed alternative. This isn't on TV. This isn't on radio. It was just, uh, it was just for computer. It was just, it for, was just for your, yeah. And, and I, you it know, was actually time, too early, honestly, because for sure, 
mobile devices hadn't been. So you had to be sitting That's in right. front of a desktop to That's watch. Right. It was, and it we, was were, so we were catching the, hopefully the, er, the, the, the early morning worker yeah, that, yeah, that, yeah. that knows enough to find it, turn it on, put it on in the background so you don't get in trouble at work. <laughs> you know what I mean? But it was, it was a great, I mean, it was a great opportunity in it. And the explosion after that, you know, bro, pioneering things is, uh, you know, it, it's not anything to get stuck on because, you know, you, you, you're, you're that, you're that person for a moment and then the world builds on top of your legacy and that's fine. You know what I mean? But, uh, I, I can truthfully say because I was such a knucklehead in my, in my personal life, I had to step away from that opportunity to realize just what it was. And to, to Peter's credit, he left it with Brandon and I, when I say step away, we had been in talks with the Denver Post about how to go forward after Peter got the job with, with the SEC network and, you know, Woody, Woody, Woody Page and, and, uh, and I want to believe it was Les Shapiro. Les Shapiro. Was it Les? Yep. Yeah. Woody Page and Les Shapiro kind of jumped on our coattails and followed our lead. You know what I mean? And, and really did with the platform, you know, what their profile could do. Woody's a, a, a star, you know what I mean? And, and, and Les is no slouch. And so, you know, we were in the negotiation period and it seemed a lot more hassle than, than it was going to be sort of hash. And I, and, and I looked at BK, shout out to Brandon Cristal, another really good friend of mine. And I was like, I just don't want it this bad, bro. You know what I mean? It's not, it's, it's not a you thing. It's not a, this thing. It's a, you know, the, I, I think that I had taken for granted a lot of the opportunities that I had had at that point. And all I could see was sort of the chip on my shoulder about, you know, wanting the respect that we weren't going to be given because we neither of us played. And, and, and the negotiation tactics were heavy handed <laughs> on behalf of my high sports. And I decided to walk away, but I, I can't, I can't be, I couldn't be more grateful for the opportunity to just know a person like Peter. And I mean that and work with him and again, yeah. pick up these little business tidbits that have helped me in the world away from sports. I mean, talk, Peter made it to where a guy do that shit. Like, like hustling brokered radio. There's, there's nothing harder. I mean, it made me who Same. I am. Like it For made sure. me who I am, like figuring that out knowing that it was my only way in. And if I didn't figure this out, I wasn't going to do this. Like, that's right. But once I figured it out, then I could, then, Oh, now I'm selling streaming. Then I'm going to go get TV. Then I'm going to, then I'm going to go on the fan on the weekends. And so, I mean, at one point I had all kinds of stuff going and, and I eventually said like, I'm not making these, all these other people money anymore. Like I'm going to go, I'm going to go sell my own thing. And that's, that was the, that was for Bro, me. The, the thing and and, and the, if I may, if I may, I know I said something about it before, but I yeah. got to tell you this, bro. I tell you this all the time, but your audience needs to know that they are listening. Like when, 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 when I get advice from people, I don't need to know that you've been successful at what you've done. I need to know that you've been there. Right. Oh, I, you know, funny. and and I think I that's, so that's, that, that's for, that's for everybody. Cause success is, you know, it's a moving target. You know, what is success to you? Y'all need to yep. know to your listening audience, they need to know that Brandon Spano is the, you are the epitome of what a self-made businessman is, especially when it comes to carving a lane in a place. We're talking about market 18 television still, market 21 radio, very glass ceiling. You would agree? It was a very closed door totally, when it totally, comes to the sports totally, thing. And totally. for you to have created what you've created and now branched off into other ventures, is I think a testament to what a successful business person is. Again, you can start counting dollars and looking at bank accounts, all that's fine. Right. I'm talking about a person who saw a thing and said, oh, 
that's the thing. And they're like, yeah, that's the thing. And it's like, well, I want the thing. And they're like, well, you got to go through this to get to the thing. You're like, or I could do this. Right. That's the type of shit that I'm talking about, bro. And it, and it really, it's something that I respect. I draw inspiration off of it, watching you. And, and, though, and though our paths are divergent in certain regard, they're very much the same. I, I've just been blessed to have friends that I can truly say, you know, I grew up in a fatherless household. Be that as it may, I've had to draw my father-like inspirations from the streets and homeboys mm. and friends. And, Man, and, I appreciate and, that so much. And I, 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 I literally, I look at you and that pantheon of people that I'm literally like, you can't tell me what I can't do. Because yep. I got a homeboy that I, I got a homeboy that says different. Yeah, yeah. man, I, I totally feel that so much, man. You know, as you know, you know, my dad went to prison when I was 12. And, you know, I lived pretty much exclusively with him up until that time. So I went from essentially this kind of a motherless childhood. Then my dad goes to prison, then I'm living with all kinds of other people. I'm, you know, family members sleeping on couches. And then I go and I, I finally do end up living with my mom. And then it's a kind of a single mother thing. And so it was just a weird kind of mix. And at the end of at the end of it, what happens is you grow up and you're just missing all of these certain, you know, I don't know, like, like you just didn't get these certain learning points that other people got. You didn't get yeah. these specific lessons that, that you're void of. And, and you're making these, these mistakes that people just, just, you know, normal people just don't make because right. uh, it, it was so, it was so, it was so basic. Uh, it, it's such a basic, but, but we just didn't ever get to go get through those learning processes and, and, and reach those things. And uh, you've got these chips and you've got people looking at you a certain way and, 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 you know, and it's just, it's this whole culmination of things. And so, yeah. Do you find you, that you poured yourself, do you find that you poured yourself into business out of maybe trying to cure some of those things? Not, yeah, not yeah, business, yeah, not no, business. Cause I think of you more than a, just a businessman. You're not right. running a widget farm. You right. like have a passion and that passion right. You know what I think? I, I think that I feel like I saw people doing stuff and I felt like, man, that you know, like this is going to sound bad. I'm like, that dude doesn't seem that special to me. And, and this is, we talked about this last night. This is kind of goes back to that neighborhood thing of like, I can beat that, you know, I can, um, beat that for I can sure. you know, and, and so what happens though is, is you end up learning, just like you said, you end up learning from these people and building relationships with people. And you, and then as time goes on, what I started seeing was like, I, I started then the first thing that I did at some point is I gave up and I said, like the way that I was approaching the world, which was mm. full of animosity and, mm. and never, you know, like I didn't smile a lot. Like I, I, I mean, I still have to tell myself to smile, right? Because just the environment that I'm from, when you walk into a place, you we're not sure it's not all smiles and so you don't want to be seen as weak and stuff and and it's it's all of these things that when you go into this other environment where you're trying to build relationships be a business person they don't work right eventually i had to give up and say okay like why don't i try to learn the rules and what i did is i started looking for people like me and so then i started finding like oh there is and this is why i'm so passionate about this now this is why me and you have the conversations that we do off record because it's like, I understand that there's a flawed system. I understand we got to change things in my heart of hearts. I know that that is true, but mm -hmm. I also, because of the route that I took and I had to go and find these people who had been, I love when I find people who have been through more than me and it sure. sounds twisted, 
But if I'm like, oh, this guy's brother was killed when he was 15 and he lost his mom when he was 16 and he did four years and he, and I'm like, oh, this is worse than me. <laughs> and he made it. And now I'm like, right. and now I'm like obsessed with this guy and I want to find out what he did. Like I'm inspired by that. Just like you said, I'm not inspired by success on the end. I'm inspired by the process. And, yeah. and, and so, you know, in my whole Twitter, if you just like go through who I follow, you'll see and, and things I like. It's all like people like that because that's what inspires me. That's what moves me. And so I just started, I think, working at it and I started believing, really believing that I could. And this is the number one thing for me that I think this is what rubs me wrong. This is the one thing in the world that rubs me in a way that nothing else can. And it's when I see people telling other people that are like me, that are like you, that they live in a world where they're never going to make it because of the way mm -hmm. the world is. Mm -hmm. Now, listen, I know that there's some truth to, I know that, that what they're trying to say, they're trying to say the system needs change because it's not fair to people. And, For and sure. that's okay. But what's happening is on the other end, the other, the person who is in that place, they're reading that and they're giving up and saying, this guy's right. I can never be anything that's unless right. the system changes. And that hurts my heart. That hurts my feelings. You know what because, they call that? Uh, they call that confirmation bias. You already believe it about yourself. If you grew up in tough circumstances, there's always a kind of a specter over your shoulder. Like, this is probably not going to work out. You get used to disappointment. You get used to right. loss. You get used right. to and, and And so what, what, what you're dying for, or not what you're dying for, but what you end up gravitating toward are people who confirm that for you. Yeah, you're right. The system stacked against you. Yeah, you're right. You know what I mean? You're not, you're not going to make it. Yeah, you're right. You know, it is too tough for you to. So, you know, just give a little less effort. You know, give a little more pity to, you know, party and a, and a little less effort. And I was that guy. You know, the, 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 the hard thing about a hard come up in, is that it toughens you, but it does give you these calluses that aren't useful in the business world. And, and I, I was, I had such a charmed, you know, existence up until a point. I took, I took it all for granted and, and, and sort of like, the, oh, I deserve this type deal right and and probably didn't push through and work as hard and because you know there are parts about the sports media you know part of what i'll tell you is, is all this love i have for brandon spano began in let me be 100 percent honest a bit of envy like well that's my guy brandon and we were doing the same thing and he kind of started after i did it he's got his own network and damn he's you know and 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 that for a second has to give you pause. My father, my adoptive father was really good at being like, you hang around all these, I was, gonna, I was about to say something that I'm not gonna say on your part. <laughs> you hang around all these brothers. <laughs> and this one, this one over here is, you know, salutatorian of the class. And that one over there is, you know, you know, hardworking. My, one of my homeboys is a fire uh, chief captain and he had, my homeboy, Jason Thompson, he had always worked from when we were in high school. He's like, you hang around these cats and you just, like, you don't seem to have a drive to do nothing because I, you know, my thing be is me, right. my business, my widget has always kind of been my ability to communicate and build relationships. And I don't think I ever saw a way, cause I didn't want to be a salesperson. I didn't ever see a way to capitalize on that, so to speak. And, and I think I use my hard luck story. Well, that, well, that's just part of me. You know what I mean? And, right. and, and, and to your point, it's, it's, you know, that luckily, luckily, I don't have very many people in my life outside of contemporaries even though I was raised by the streets and a lot of my homeboys, I don't have a lot of people in my life that ever allowed me to sit in that place for long, that place of poor me mm. and that place of, you know, confirming to me that 
well, yeah, you know, you, you, you lost your mom at 13. You're, you know, you're an orphan, basically never seen your dad. And, you know, you've been in the streets on your own since you were 16. And, you know, you, 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 you don't have a lot of reasons to smile. And you know what I mean? You, you, you've made something out of yourself and you made it on television and you're a black man in America and being a black man in America is hard enough. And, you know, you're all right with being, you know, a bit of an asshole. You're all right with being a bit of a, you know, uh, a, a malcontent, you know what I mean? And not really wanting to, 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 to adhere to rules or not really want, you're, you're all right with that. You're a rebel and, and I'm an artist, you know what I mean? Uh, MC first. And I'll say that, yep. I'll, I'll say that to the day that I die, I'm a writer. And so then, it, you know, then you let that little artist, you know, sort of excuse jump in there and it's like, well, you know, you don't have to conform. You don't have to, and I don't believe in conformity, but I also believe in looking at norms and, and adjusting to them, especially if there are things that you want to change. And so to your point, I, I don't respect that either. From anyone that would handicap anyone further. We are, it's already bad enough for people. Right. The other thing too, is that when you are, when you're, when you grow up like that, you know, like I'm, I'm from the side, of, I love my family, but I'm from the side of my family. If we're just keeping it 100, that when people go like, I was like, Oh, there's Jack's kid, right? There, there's Sonny's kid. Like I call my dad, Sonny. There's Sonny's kid. And you know, they know Sonny is got this going on and this going on. I'm Sonny's kid. Everybody got to feel bad for me. It's this right. thing, right? The teachers right. got to feel bad for you. You know, by the time I went to 12 schools, so every time they look at my record, they got to feel bad for you. And at some right. point you get tired of motherfuckers feeling bad for you. you That's know? right. And, and you get tired and you can feel the tone. You can feel tones. You can see tones. The That's other right. thing, when I talk about that example that I, that I laid out of people saying that these kids can never do anything and, 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 and this system isn't made for you because you can't do this and that, I still hear that tone also. And it's, yeah. and it's like, and especially if it comes from the highly educated, you know, which I feel like I look back in my life and I think of the way that I am and my ability to learn and my ability to digest information. I say, man, if I was in a position to go through and be educated and go through college, it wouldn't have taken me until I was 37 to get my shit together. You know what I'm saying? So, so, so I still hear that tone. And so it's, this is incredibly complicated. There's so many layers, right? But I I feel you, you can kind of see that that's where my emotion is. And so I want people to, this is like what me and you talked about, you know, and for the listeners, me and Oren can have literally four hour phone calls, but, but, (laughs) but you know, for me, I want people to know, that hey there's there is rules to the game there is processes there are ways that you can do things and i can show you and then someone else will say like look at this guy this guy wants to show the rules of you know western white supremacy to this you know and 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 i and and like we're never going to understand each other although i i understand i actually do kind of understand what they're saying but i i i i at the end of the day I guess what I'm going to say to, to, to square all this up is that the people that are at the bottom don't have time for the system to change. The, no, system, they don't. the system does need to change. Yes. Opportunities do need to be given. Yes. But guess what? Like some people are is sitting in a position where they have got time to change the system. They've already, especially if they've already won inside of it, you That's know, right. It's like you're you've won inside the system. You're winning inside the system, and now you're telling everybody else how broken it is while not helping them win inside of it. That's bullshit to me, man. It is bullshit, and and you know the thing is is that you know, and we can keep it moving after, you know, bucking the system, <laughs> bucking the system is 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 a real thing, and I, I I'm a, you know, especially now, 
Oh, I know. I find, my, I find myself getting more and more revolutionary as, as yep. the days go by. Yeah. But what I will say for is- For good this, reason, that for good reason. Within the framework of every system lies the opportunity to buck the system. You, you know, because otherwise you're just not playing the game. You're not participating. And then there's no reason to have a conversation. Right. You know what I mean? You either don't play the game or you got to play the game to win. And the only way, you know, whether it's business, you know, politics, but let's stay on business. The only way to buck the system of, in, of inequity is to get in and be successful on the inside and then change it from within and, and, and spend a lot less time enabling people to look at the system and go, well, the system's fucked up. We all know the system's fucked up. Right. You know what I mean? That's not new information. That's right. And and, and then it just becomes a a cacophony of, you know, of of whiners, which I can speak to because I was one of those whiners. (laughs) You know, that that was my, well, this radio's not going to make room for me. Well, my friend Brandon Spano was like, radio don't need to make room for me. I make room for me. And here we are some five years later. Yeah, seven? Seven years later. Six years later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Six years later. You know, so it, it, there's something to be said about that. And, 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 and now when, when Brandon Spano speaks and says, you know, listen, man, yeah, it's tough. Yeah, it's hard. But you got you to gotta have enough self-awareness, confidence, and be learned in the ways. You learned how to work radio to where you didn't just jump in with a pipe dream. You jumped in with systems. Right. Because that's what, that's what changes things is systems. You know what I mean? It's a, I had a rabbi uh, study Judaism for nine years, and a rabbi told me, you know, you want to be successful in this world, solve people's problems. You know the problem that I think you solve for people? You, I'll tell you the problem you solve for me, Brandon. You showed me that the broadcast world was ready to topple over and give way to the independent broadcaster. And you did it in Market 18 television and Market 21 radio. radio. Oh, is it 16 now? Or 16? I think it is. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know. I so there you go. Yeah, man, I appreciate that so much, man. I, I really do. It's real, though. It's real. That's not that's not me kissing ass. That's not right. just because this is your podcast. That's a real. That's my real assessment of my friend's path to this point. Let's talk. Let, let's kind of keep this. Oh, you know, let me just say one thing too. I want to make one thing clear too, is that everybody doesn't have the same path, and and the paths aren't equal. It's important to to state that because a lot of times when I say this kind of stuff, people think that I'm saying that anybody can do it, and we all have the same opportunity. The facts are that we all do not have the same opportunity. The facts For are that, sure. yes, there is absolutely, if you think I'm going to jump on here and be the guy that denies that people were born on third base bullshit, I would never deny that. There's people that were born at home plate, not even right. third base, okay? <laughs> and they right. still That's fucked right. that up, okay? That's right. Uh, so, so, I, mean, you know, I know a couple, I know a couple of, <laughs> I won't, I won't, a couple of so, high, high profile sports owners uh, kill. <laughs> So, so yes, it is, it is. And, and there's layers inside of that. And for every, you know, white version of me, there's a black version of me and they had to even do more work than I had to do to get it because they had to try to battle through unfair assumptions and stereotypes. And, you know, when I was doing the knucklehead stuff, what I was doing, you know, my past, you know, I survived through that. I may not have if I wasn't white, right? So yeah, it's, it's possible. It's possible is all I'm saying. So, so there is, there is these things and, and I am aware of these things. And so that, that still doesn't make anything that was just said like untrue. So anyway, we could do this forever. No, that's very true. Okay. So let's, let's jump yeah. to, let's jump to food chain music. So <laughs> 
you know, to me, and, and I was someone who was in the battle circuit for years, competitive, I must say, right? If I'm trying to pat myself on the back. Oh my guy. <laughs> and I, I love emceeing. I, to me, emceeing is in my heart. You know, you're never, once you're an MC, you're never not an MC. And so, you know, if there's a cipher going on, I'm still going to go into, I still want to jump in. Right, we yeah, had a podcast sure. actually on the network years ago. We freestyled on the uh, on that show. So right. anyway, I, I just lay this out so people know my kind of my background. But food chain music to me was the first dope hip hop thing, and there was a lot. We, we've done a, there's been a lot of hip hop in Colorado, and we had a huge sure. West Coast thing in the '90s. We had our we had our Bay Area sound, all this stuff. But food chain was this fresh thing. It was Denver, right? It was like for Denver by Denver you know, you guys were like rocking all the shows in the points, like heavy East side prevalence. Like it was just, it was so fresh and so dope. And, and you were kind of doing this during this whole radio time that we talked yeah. about before and, and during and after you were doing that. You know, when I talk to you, I don't get the sense that you ever, and, and I could be wrong. I, I've never got the sense that you have a, a ton of pride in food chain in the sense that like, we were a huge staple in Denver, but you know, just like the DMAX show, it's important for me to tell you that that was a huge staple. It's probably the most influential group in my opinion that we've had come out and that we have some dope rappers right now that are in the market, but for sure, influence, you know, if we're talking about influence, like it was incredibly dope, it was incredibly fresh. And I always looked at you as the face of that. And, and I'm sure different people thought, thought, thought there were different faces, but why don't no, you just I was talk, face. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Talk to us about food chain. Talk to us about that time and, and your inspiration at that, the way that you looked at it and, and everything. Those are my brothers, man. Like I got, I, I got, I got a ton of them too. I got a ton of brothers and, and those ones we, we scrapped through, you know, when we, when we got together, we ended up getting, we ended up getting in the Westford because each member, Mike Coates, you know, FL, Jason Cabell, Mass Prod, Shout out Mass Prod, C1 the Traveler. Who am I leaving out? Who am I leaving out? Mohit. When we got together, uh, what a house! Oh, my, my man DJ Lewisite. Each one of those names that I just took, you know, unbeknownst to maybe your listeners, on a Denver local level, had a bit of a name, had a bit of a thing. I was doing the right. radio thing, so that was already kind of like a wait, what? There's a sports talk guy in Denver that, you know, what I mean, was a rapper and he got a group, and then Mike, and then you know. There was also one other guy who was in the initial article that made it in the Westward, uh, Midas, my homeboy. Shout out to, to Gary. Yeah. And, and, and so, you know, there, there was this, this rumbling under when we decided and all we were going to do was do a mixtape because, you know, Mike had brought all of us together and we we're just going to do a mixtape. And it was just all these different flavors that were going to do this thing. And then Westward somehow got a hold of it. And they were like, there's a super group brewing in Denver. Nah, nah, nah. And we decided at that point in time, it was the food chain in and of itself was the name of the mixtape. And we decided to turn it into a thing. Midas dropped off and the, the, the other seven of us kind of solidified, the eight of us solidified because we ended up adding a drummer. Shout out to my man, Alex Armstrong. And so we started on this path. And, and, and when we dropped our, it, you know, uh, I, I just always have to, I'm glad we're having this conversation because I get a chance to reminisce, not for my own edification, but to just remind myself how blessed I truly have been. And, and so we, when, we, when we did the self-titled EP, you know, people really, you know, I'd say they received it. But what we did was we went out and we passed out 6,000 copies of this thing for free. Right. Another business, another business sort of 
thing that we didn't look at as a business thing at the time, but it was, it meant something because what you would see is, is we're in the streets and we're up in Boulder. We're at every show. We're, you know, we're on Colfax. If there's a show at the Ogden, we're there. Yeah, you got a poster uh, up at Angelo's, like, like, yeah, it was. That's right. Right. You know, and if we weren't, and, and at the time we weren't opening for a lot of these shows. So we were literally just there to catch, you know, Denver hip hop rap fans. And, you know, you, you know, the, you know, the, you know, the deal when, when some guys on a corner on the 16th street mall or wherever, and he's like, Hey, you listen to local hip hop. The first thing most people are like, ah, yeah, I don't want to buy your CD out of your hand in that plastic wrap. We, we were astonished. People would be so astonished and we did a good job of packaging it. People were so astonished that we were handing them this product and we were just saying, bro, take it with you. Just listen to it. 6,000 of those we did. And the, the effect was residual. If you play the law of 10%, you know what I mean? We at least got a strong 600 following out of that. Strong 600 that like fuck with us, like fuck with us. Right. Not to mention once we I mean, started You guys then- impacted big art. Like if an artist came, like if Slick Rick came to town, we were going to be that guy that were, we were that group that they yeah, called. You were opening, and people would say, like, people might not have went just as, like, Slick Rick's a legend or whatever, but, like, you know, whatever. He was old at the time or whatever. Like, those <laughs> right. guys could come to the, could, could come in the city, and all of a sudden, instead of a Master Ace show doing 80 heads, if you guys open, now Master Ace is sold out at the ballroom or whatever, you That's know, right. like. That's right. We did our thing, and, and, and you know, to, to, to our, our credit, the music supported it. And and we were something that no one had seen. We were more like the Roots than we were anything because we yes. had a full band. Yeah. Two producers that played keys, one DJ that actually played the bass and a drummer. No it was one had, so then, beyond what we were MCs. doing in like the early 2000s. I came, That's out right. with, I came out in the era, it was like me, Bumpy Johnson, Dent, Julox. That's right, that's um, like, right. Like, so if we came out during that time. We all dropped albums multiple within from 2001 to 2005. And you guys came in in blew it like everyone retired <laughs> after you guys came because it, like, it was like live band it was like fresh it was like you were like coming in and making sure like demanding the audio levels were like like it was it was right. it was good it was legit we we did it for real and 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 it it bore itself out our second so our second album corpses did really well we were able to secure talib Kweli and a couple of other cats from from stone's throw records on 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 the project and then we Drop brunch after that in summer series, and again with all great, <laughs> well, all great things in my life. Not uh, this is a, not to be a sob story, but it you know we we got that run. The thing about Denver local, uh, I hate the word local, but I'll use local. The thing about Denver local independent, it's better to say independent music, is that again there is a glass ceiling. Mm-hmm. No, no one is you know now there are bands that make it out of Colorado all the time. We know that. Lumineers, like you can go through the litany of yeah. When it comes to hip hop, they don't. People don't believe it outside well, well, of. I think outside. The other thing the, too is is people don't. I'll say it, man. People don't like your boy will be. He'll support you like to you, but like he's not. He ain't pushing he, you out there. He's not pushing you because he's trying to get out there first. That's right. That's Everyone right. wants to be first, and and That's Denver right. doesn't. Denver doesn't love itself. It's like no. Denver is the the partner, the relationship partner that you, you're trying to love it, but it uh, doesn't love itself. It doesn't man. love it. Back. It's like Jada. It's like <laughs> Jada Pinkett and Will Smith. <laughs> no, and you know what the difference is too is that we also didn't have a, a a very large consumer base, 
at that time. Your right. consumer base were your peers. And now the city's exploded and right, you know, right. however many more people have moved here, 600,000, 700,000, 800,000 more people. Well, now you got some real consumers that have moved into the market. And you're starting to see that, you're starting to see that residual effect with you know some of our younger contemporaries. Shout out to AP, Trev Rich, like guys that are really doing it that Trev I respect, Rich is dope. you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Trev Rich is dope, you know what I mean? And 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 and, and they've been able to, to take that to another level of cresting. And, and it, there's still gonna be another plateauing and then how who pushes it past that point. But but you know, I, I can say this. We did with our time everything that I think that we should have done with it except for just, you know, squeeze it uh, for all that it's worth and, and, and maybe overstay our welcome, even if it's amongst one another. And so when, when, when Food Chain came to an end, the solo career began for, for a lot of us. And, and uh, hip hop, like you said, I'm an MC and I will always be an MC. And, and that's not, you know, that's not going to change. And, and, and hip hop provided a platform for me to continue to hone the way that I speak, hone my voice and, and get my voice out there. I'm, I, I remember I'm even in the early BSN days, we even talked and you said something like, you were like, you know, you this is like street, like you're doing, this is like street team. This has like, when I look at it, this has street team like written all over it. And that was what yeah, I sure. knew. If you talk to me, I can tell you about conversion marketing and, and, and uh, you know, paid marketing and targeted ads <laughs> and stuff like that. But But at the time it was just like, who can hustle the longest hustle. And, and like sleep was like a bad word. Now, now you know, right. we, we all talk about how healthy and how much sleep we got to get to. But back then sleep was like for the week, right? Like you couldn't, yeah, the hungry can't afford. <laughs> exactly. Let's talk about uh, script writing. We're going to do yeah. a big 180. So this is how talented Orrin is. Orrin is legitimately one of the most talented people I've ever known. He's on TV. He does great in TV, memorable. He goes to radio, memorable. He goes and he makes a huge impact in Denver hip hop. And now you're script writing, you're doing voice acting. And, and for, for those who don't know, well, none of you know, because nobody knows, but we're working on a huge project here. Man. We, we have been for a year now. It's the biggest single media project the company's ever done. And Oren is actually the star of this, of this entire project. He is the, he's voice acting as the lead character in this. And that's all I'll say, but talk to us about script writing and voice acting. How is it different? You know, uh, how do you find work in it? And does it fulfill you the same way some of these other things did? You know, it's funny because it, it's just gone in stages and the charmed existence came to an end when I walked away from sports talk, to be honest with you. I found out that, well, you're gonna have to be in this world and you're gonna have to work. And anybody who's tried to do it from a music standpoint understands that that's not a business plan. <laughs> that's not a business model. Having a, mu a successful music career is not a business model. So when I stepped away from the game uh, in 2015, you know, I, I had some opportunities that were still eking out there, you know, things with, with one of my mentors with CJ, and, but nothing, you know, it now was in the business world, you know what I mean? And I had already conditioned myself over the last, 10 years because you know even working you know, on both sides of my job tv and radio i didn't really have a job you know what i mean so i'd already conditioned myself that well you know fedex kinkos ain't gonna be the answer right and and that was a bit of arrogance to be quite honest with you it was a bit of arrogance you know but uh, lo and behold an opportunity was brought to me from one of my other really close friends shout out my homeboy mikey lucero 
whose grandfather, we're working on a script, you know, anybody who knows the Chicano liberation movement would know the name Corky Gonzalez. And this, this, this young man is Corky Gonzalez. Uh, there's Cesar Chavez, Che Guevara, Corky Gonzalez. It's, it's really a, not a short list, but a very, you know, uh, world renowned list. And Corky is a Denver native. Well, not a Denver native, but, you know, set roots here in Denver and raised his family here. And his grandson and I are working on a, on a script uh, that sort of details his father's, uh, I mean, his grandfather's Yeah, and uh, Corky is, is a legend in the North Side. Uh, legend. legend. North Side legend. North Side North legend. Side legend. Uh, you know, got a library named after him. You know what I mean? He's yeah, he's library, political organizer. He, he, was, a, he was a boxer, uh, Golden Gloves yeah. great kid. Uh, That's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, but Maki had drummed up an opportunity, you know, and he and I had met working at Free Speech TV together, uh, one of my, you know, m many one-offs <laughs> since the, you know, since the prestige of, of sports talk ended. But we developed a relationship and then, you know, an opportunity just fell in his lap to go do locations uh, on a film in in Los Angeles for uh, an Adam Sandler film. And he he pegged me to go and help him run operations to do that. And so we started a company and got signed on with Happy Madison. And I had already been dabbling in sort of taking my writing a different way. After I dropped my solo project, I, 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 was, I, was, I was loathed to continue chasing the rap dream, but I couldn't stop writing. And poetry isn't my thing. And so I started just kind of developing on ideas that I had. And that was kind of my entrance into script writing as a, a writer myself. But being a writer is hard because you don't get a lot of kudos for just writing, right? You got to be published. And so when you tell people I'm a writer, they're like, oh, well, anything that I've read or seen, you're like, it's, 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 I'm working on it. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. The, but the, 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 the trip out to California changed my world because I saw everything that I want in my next stage of life. Yeah. Or so I thought, I should say, because even those things change. And, and, and working in film and, and being a storyteller is just an extension of, and you know this, it's just been an extension of being an MC. It's just an extension of the skills that you already kind of have. You know, there's a storyteller I mean, every MC. Talk radio is almost an extension of being an MC. Absolutely. Bro, I applied so many Me of too. my skills that I learned at Fox Sports Net, Rocky Mountain and Root Sports, and at the Fan, Mile High Sports Radio, and with the Denver Post, in my, my post-radio television life on a film set and then working on smaller film sets. Our first one was Sandy Wexler. And then I did a bunch of independent films after that. And really that was on the operation side. When, when you know locations, it's really going in and locking down the places where these shoots are gonna happen. But being able to spend time with guys like Adam Sandler and his crew of writers and seeing how their process works and listening and, and, and Adam Sandler, you know, we're not best friends, but I'll give you this in terms of stars or whoever you wanna call those people that I've met, he's the most down to earth and the most willing to share best practices and business information and actually get to know the people that are working around him. Cause he, mm. he kind of had an attitude of like, well, you're going to be around me all day. So you, you're not going to be some fly on the wall. Let me bring you into these conversations. Wow. And so, you know, the, 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 the Wexler, the Wexler path, you know, took me down, uh, you know, I ended up moving out to California and really just, you know, I have a sister that's an actress. Um, shout out to my sister, June. I have another sister that, you know, works in media. Shout out to my sister, Joy. She just got a huge opportunity with them at NBC taking over for Chris Matthews on Hardball. Well, taking over that slot. It's, yeah, I mean, it's kind of been a lament. Your sister's huge. I, I don't, 
I don't ever mention your sister because I just don't want to, you know, so if you, uh, I, I, but, but I, 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 I don't ever want to do the like, and coming up next, Joy uh, Reed's oh, brother, or Lorena. Yeah, yeah, exactly. and, and guess what? I never want to be introduced like that. To be quite honest with you. We've, um, you know, we've, we've always shared kind of a, you know, a triumvirate as a triumvirate. We've always shared this kind of dream of, well, I'll meet you at the top hmm. and, and that. to Love their that. credit, to their credit, both of my sisters have been knocking it down and, and, I, and you know I'm picking it up from the from the from the back end. Baby bro's picking it up from the back end. But writing and and script writing. So all that is to say that that's become my world. And you get certain things published and you don't. And you, because I used my my ability to speak and my command of the English language, well then freelance work just in terms of utility writing has has come along. Writing scripts for for local you know or independent businesses here, commercials, a couple of clients that I have that are outside of the state copy for websites you know that that became my world and and i use that to finance my creative world until i get something published and lo and behold a, a friend of mine and i started a company called alias who we went on a trip with uh with a, with a bunch of denver artists to new mexico and in the desert of new mexico i met my future which was as a writer and 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 the project that we we, we pitched an idea it got picked up i feel comfortable in saying it um it's you know, Meow Wolf, for those that don't know, is like Disney in its early stages. And George R.R. R. Martin, who I'm I'm so eager to be around as just a mentor, believed in a group of, uh, of artists in New Mexico enough to where he threw $2 million down for them to buy a bowling alley and turn it into this. The best way I can describe it is it's a it's a walkthrough movie. You know, it's it's, you know, maximalist, uh, you know, art has taken on this new form with this company. And it's it's the art of storytelling combined with artwork. And it's not just walking into an art museum and looking at sculptures and pictures on the wall. These things are, you can interact with them. And, and that that's what gives them their, their sort of Disney feel. And uh, we pitched the narrative to them that they picked up on. And we'll be going into the Denver installation. Proud to say that, you know, um, it's the biggest opportunity that I've had to date outside of outside of the Sandy Wexler thing and, and the elevator pitch that it gives us with my partner and I, uh, shout out to my homegirl Al, DJ Skeena. The, the, the elevator pitch that it gives us is that, you know, we've, we, we've already scripted this, we've scripted this narrative about our, our, our protagonist who is gonna be sort of a Laura Croft type character and she's a Denver native. I don't wanna oh, give away too much, no. um, but it, it, it has to do with interdimensional travel and, 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 and an orphans, much like myself on a mission to sort of find herself and, and find her family, uh, whatever part of it's left and, and, and take down the bad guys. And it's just been every day a revelation as to what I feel like the universal God put inside of me and inside of all of us. If you're patient enough and you're, you're, you're not too hard on yourself, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a pretty big hippie. Um, and so I have a lot to be hard on myself about, but being patient, and 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 sort of not so disgruntled anymore about opportunities past either forfeit or lost has has opened me up to a world of where my imagination can yeah kind of man set that's the so tone for me that's so good because it's so freeing that's what i that's kind of what i was saying I, I wasn't able to articulate it the way you did but earlier when i was saying i i, I that i that i gave up i stopped fighting and I, yeah. I, so that's what I meant by that. Like, no, that, it, was, exactly. it, it didn't mean that I stopped fighting the system or that I, that I, it means that I gave into, 
I, I took a breath and said, I can't be angry anymore. I can't fight everybody right. anymore. I can't feel bad for myself anymore. I can't, I got to let all this go and just live, man. That's right. You know? That's right. That's because right. it, it piles it, up, man. You just carry it. You can carry that shit around with you forever, man. And by the, before you know it, carry it. You just got to, it's just weighing you down, man. You can't even get off the floor, you know? We share, you know, similar comeuppance and, and, and it's hard for, it's kind of your identity. Yeah. It's, 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 right. you know, it's, it's your ego. It, it's a part of your identity is struggle and anger. And I didn't get, and, and I didn't have enough. That's right. That's and, right. and what about me? And it's, and, and it's a valid part of your character. It's a valid part of your ego, yeah, but it real. doesn't, I mean, your hands yeah. are, your hands are so full with that. You can't carry anything else. The, the universe can't give you what your purpose. It can't fully, you know, like that's pour right. into you your purpose because you are filled with, you know, a bunch of anger and angst. And that is not to say that I think either of us are content with the way we see things on a larger social scale. Right. Well, what right. good does that commentary do if it's just words in your mouth? You know what I mean? If you can't act on it, if you can't mobilize on those changes that you want to see, you know, well, well, what good is all the talking? You know what I mean? It, you know, it sounds good. And, it, you know, you might be able to gather, a, a, you know, a peanut gallery that is willing to listen and, a, you know, and, and it is a mentality. And I'm glad that you brought that up in this conversation because I don't want to sit with those people any longer. And I do feel like I'm still growing and you do still have to be very wary of that, that mentality taking hold and taking root and derailing anything that you're trying to do just for the simple fact that it's a lot easier to complain about the way things are. What kind of mental preparations do you have to do specifically as a, uh, and I, we're going to go voice actor here because you know, I, I don't know as much as about the script writing side and, and things like that, but I noticed whenever I had to do some voice stuff that it was actually, it was hard for me. I, I had to do one and, and I had to get all of it out of, on that one. And then if I was going to switch it up, then I had to practice that and then come back in the booth and, and do that other one. I couldn't do them on the fly. So I just, and I, I know you've, you can, <laughs> but what are some of the mental preparations that you do as a voice actor, Oren, to, to get into that mode? I think that the project that we're working on has been helpful because I, you know, I, I did, I, you know, I have, I had an agent for a while just to do some voiceover work and go in for, for every uh, audition. And, you know, uh, crazy enough is I think the preparation was built into me. I think that I've learned, I learned a long time ago in, in the black community, we have a thing called code switching and code switching is, is how you present to people outside of the neighborhood. Now, I think that I say in the, in, in the black community, I think a lot of people do this, but in, in, in this right, instance- That's what it's called though, right. Uh, yeah, and I, I had alluded to it earlier and just all, oh, well, he speaks so well type of thing. So I think I learned innately early, and I think we all do it. Your ego will take on different personalities with different people. If you're a person on earth, I think you kind of understand that. Yep, yep. You're this way with your mom. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're, this you, way you're, with you're your hanging dad. out with your boy from Missouri. Uh, halfway through the day, you start saying some shit. You would never, you're like, exactly. why do I have a twin, <laughs> bro? What am exactly. I, what, am I, what are exactly. we doing? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. So mobilizing on that is, is something that when put on the spot, and I, I think you can relate to this too. It's like, you have a friend. And, and they're pretty knowledgeable. And you decide you're gonna give that friend a shot and bring them on your podcast or on your way. And then they start talking and you're like, who the hell is this person? That's not the person that I talk to all the yeah, time, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> Assuming, and, and so I think we all have this innate ability to act, but as soon as the lights go on, 
then you, you're either picking too hard to be in a place or you're, you don't know how to get in that place enough. And it seemingly to me, especially with this script, I think it comes kind of easy. I relate to the character and, and therefore, you know, I, it, it's, it's easy for me to picture in my mind, the scenes, you know, the, the script itself, there are parts where I mean, I'll keep it a buck where I'm like, uh, a, a, a kid from this area probably wouldn't say that. Having said that, I, I started feeling comfortable in taking sort of embellishments and getting the same point across. Voice acting is fun. Getting into the mode, you really have to access that part of you that was a kid that liked to play pretend, that, you know what I mean, and, and really got into it, you know what I mean? And, you know, when you were playing G.I. Joe, you weren't just, pretend this guy's over here and this guy, you were young from this guy to this guy. And doing a, you just kind of have yeah. to try to find that space. You, you do such an amazing job because uh, on this one that we're doing, you know, you'll be the kid and, and an older coach and a younger coach, and, and you'll act all of them. And the older it's coach, fun. the older coach will have, he'll sound like an old head. He'll kind of have uh, a, a more, uh, as you would say, uh, the, you know, he spits the King's English real good. Um, <laughs> the younger coach, you can, you can, the, the younger coach, he's got, uh, he talks younger, right? He's a, got a little more style. He's got a little more, uh, He's got, he's just kind of got a vibe to him, you know, uh, he, he kind of understands the younger guy. Uh, and then the younger kid, you can feel that he is kind of a little bit of both. He's trying to kind of be hip and cool and, and, but, but he's also kind of where he's from. And, and I don't know, but they're so succinct, like, like it's so, it feels so central to those characters. And I just wonder, like, if I was doing that, I would have to do that older coach, all of his, and then I would have to do the younger coach, all of his, and then I would have to do the kid, all of his. Do you do it like that? Or are you able to just go right through the I'm script? Going, come up as you read through better, the script. It's, 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 I, I had to, I mean, at least for the purpose of this exercise, go through in a line. And I listen to a lot of audiobooks, as I know you do. I listen to a lot of audiobooks, and what I realized, it, it, my here's the nerd in me. I listen to a lot of Star Wars audiobooks, like all the the stories oh that haven't God. made it to film yet. So Darth Plagueis and all this, and they're always just written and re well, they're always read by one guy. So you'll why I, I in my mind, I think I was already conditioned to understand that. Well, the guy can sound like a woman; he doesn't have to sound like the woman. You just have to get across the sort of the character switch. And then you got to be Plagueis over here, and then you got to be Darth Maul over here, or then you got to be, you know, and uh, Mace Windu over here, and and it's embodying those characters, I guess, to how you feel like you understand them. Mm. Um, I'm not, I'm not, I don't think I, wow. I, don't, I don't think that I was ever, because now applying it, and especially not having to do it on camera, I, I think that that allows, you know, because it's not being looked at. There's something about being in that fishbowl that, you know, acting you know, from that on-camera side takes on a little, you feel a little more self-conscious. Behind the mic, I get in a room, I'm by myself, nobody else is there, and I can go back to that time of playing pretend. Nobody's looking at me, and so I read the script through as it's in front of us. And, you know, you take a couple times on each take, but I, I read it through as it's in front of me. And 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 luckily, and, and I'm glad that you said something before we got into episode three, you said, hey, I'm, I'm going to need you to go back and listen to the coach on this one because you got to be able to replicate who the coach was and i'm like <laughs> right. you know i was like that's good science because it's not always not, and, and what i found is it's incredibly these characters stuck so that you know uh, 
that that's a credit to the writing. You know what I mean? That the, the character stuck, so it was easy to fall kind of back into the the characters themselves. But it's been a blast, man. I get to I get to be schizophrenic and can't nobody say nothing to me. It's professional. <laughs> <laughs> uh, has anybody uh, ever said like walks by when you were recording? Yes. So what are you doing? Yes, in there? <laughs> yes. my my uh, yes. It's it's an interesting. It's an interesting time, and I'm very self-conscious about these things. I, I can go to the gym and work out, but even though I don't really like working out in front of people, I definitely don't like recording in front of people. Mm. We, even when we were doing food chain, I, in front of the bros, it's one thing. You bring another person in that, it just messes up my mojo. Oh, so man, some people want to bring their whole everyone they know to the Oh, God, oh, the, the entourage. Oh, the entourage. It's like, bro, you still work at Conoco on the weekends, bro. Stop bringing <laughs> your right, entourage that's over right, here. That's bro, right. That's right. That's right. We're not entourage level yet. Dude. No, we're not entourage again. No, we're not there yet. <laughs> yeah. No, so it's a, it's, it can get kind of weird in the house. I'll, I'll pick late night time to do it. Sometimes I'm in the closet. And, you know, I, I, I did invest in some recording equipment, so I, I don't have to go somewhere else to do it. And... And for any of the voiceover work that I've been able to been blessed to get. And so sometimes I'm doing it late at night, you know what I mean? I find myself, you know, hiding from my significant others. <laughs> it's insane. It's insane. You know, there's a, some people are, some people really can get into the mode of entrepreneur. I, I really can. Uh, and I've learned it over the years. Some people are really geared more towards solopreneurism. And then some people are just geared like they just, they need to be told what to do and work for someone else. And, and I don't mean that in a derogatory way. They just, they, no. want, they need to be able to wake up, be told where to go, go there, leave when they yeah. come home, have the weekends off, take their vacation time, like have their savings. They just need that, that safety net. And that's fine too. Like all of those are totally acceptable. Uh, what I know about you is that that version B really, really is what speaks to your soul. That solopreneur that kind of leads his own way and has a bunch of yeah. different revenue streams and one might be small, one might be big, or there might be four, four might be small, but they all equal a bit, like whatever it is, you just kind of piece, uh, you know, all these things together. And I've always wondered how people like you are able to kind of keep your focus and excel at a high level on all of these. Cause me, uh, who's the, the version a there example, I, I really need to put my effort into kind of one thing. Yeah. I had to learn how to be malleable. And the one thing I'll say about a 10 year, well, upwards of 10 year broadcast career is that once that broadcast career comes to an end, <laughs> you know, your marketable skills for the last 10 years aren't really applicable in the work day. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they just aren't, you know what I mean? Like, unless you go to a, you know, an editing house and, and start cutting, cutting film. And I've always been very picky about what I wanted to do too, kind of spoiled, really kind of bougie, to be honest with you. And so, I've had to learn how to be malleable and it's increased my spirituality in terms of I do allow the universe to work in my life. And, and I know that sounds like some hippie shit, but I had to just come to the, to the realization that all my best laid efforts, I did go through a period right when, you know, when, when TV radio ended and, and I was in the middle of a very nasty divorce, I did go through a period where I was like, well, you know, Orin, you also can't be a moron go get a job. And, and my skills, you know, I didn't really know how to build my resume to say anything other than what I had been doing for the last 12 years. Yeah. Because in media, it becomes your identity. That's, you know, and so I was surprised and I, this true story, I applied for a job at a dry cleaner and it was a managerial position. And I was like, you bite the bullet, you do what you got to do. 
provide for your family. And, right. you know, things are just different right now. And in the interview, it was a great interview. I interview really well. I'm a people person. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the interview, the lady says to me, she says, I just don't know why you're here. She's like, I, you, you're great. You know, I just can't imagine that this would be the type of thing that you would keep. So you for can long fold term. These, if you want to fold these clothes and hang these, you can, but I'm just, you can. And you know yeah. what? I walked out of that interview so dejected. And at the same time, I was, I was uplifted. I was dejected. Cause I was like, damn, this is going to be hard. This is going to be a hard road. Like Orin, you might have to go back to some dope. You know I mean? It's right. been a while since, since <laughs> my head had been there. And I'm like, damn it. You know what I mean? How's that going to look? You know what I mean? And your ego and, just got out of the thing and all the things. And, and I learned, I think in the years after that, as I relaxed and as I, as I was, as I was honest with myself uh, about what it is that I wanted to do, who I am as a creative, who I am as a man, the more honest I was with myself and the more I cleared out a lot of my personal junk, the more the universe started going, how about you go to California and go work in the film industry? And I'm like, okay, I'll do it. And then those opportunities led to other opportunities. And, you know, uh, you know, people tend to, I think, gravitate toward me anyway, but it wasn't always with money opportunities. It was more so with like, man, I like talking to that dude. I like getting advice from that guy. I like, you know, exchanging ideas with that guy. But more and more people started entrusting me with, well, hey, could you help me? You're so, you know, you're so well-spoken. Could you help me rewrite my website? Could you help me rewrite the content on my website? Hey, you're so good with words. Could you help me write this copy for this commercial that we're doing? And and more and more, I started to realize that, you know, defining myself wasn't my job. I was already defined. Wow. In who I am as a person. My job was to be a little less egotistical. Be a little in a conversation with you actually at that at that sandwich shop when you when you were explaining to me what your impetus was for just being like, I got to do this to myself. I think divorcing myself of my ego has been the greatest thing that I could have ever done for myself. Uh, ego is the most detrimental thing in the world. Ego will ruin Bro, your whole life. It'll ruin it everything. It will ruin you. It yeah. will ruin you. Because ruin you know you. what this is, Brandon. You come out of an on-air, keeping it a buck. You come out of an on-air position and you no longer have an on-air position. When people see you in the streets, all they remember is the on-air position. Mm. Now multiply that. And my ego was in my way like, I'm not going to go work at FedEx Kinko's right. and be the guy that people walk up and they're like, hey, weren't you used to be on the ego? And hey, didn't you used to have the ego? I'm worried so much about what other people are going to think about me now post, I won't even call it stardom. It was just notoriety. And I don't give a shit about any of that anymore. But at the time, that's what was, I can't say it wasn't front and center in my focus. Still had the rap career going and things. When I was able to let that go and just be like, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I don't know. Sooner or later, the universe started clicking in and it was, it's been miraculous. And I, and, and for what I'm involved in now, you know, I, I've always been good with my words. I've always been a good order. I've always been pretty bold to say what is on my mind and, and, and unequivocally, you know, state my opinion and hopefully not offend anyone. And with what I'm trying to do now in, in terms of lending my voice to some social commentary conversations, I just feel like the, the more I let go of my, my ego, the, the, the more opportunities that came to me and that, 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 uh, how, what, how did you typify it? Solopreneur? Yeah. Yeah. Solopreneur. Yeah. That solopreneurial spirit 
just started to build up, you know, kind of in a Confucianary way in as much as to say that I'm in the stream. It probably doesn't sound like the smartest thing for most business people. I'm in the stream. And as long as I not lay limp, I'm an active member in what's mm-hmm. happening, but I'm not going to fight the current. Right. And it's just been, it's been very, it's been very beneficial. It's been, it's, it's been revol- It's changed my life. To be honest. Let's it let, let's literally change. We'll take this to the last question. Last topic here is we're going to go every podcast I've done has been under an hour. So of course you're going to take the, this will be a two I'm hour. Sorry. One. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. This is what happens when we get together though. <laughs> um, we're, 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 we're so linked. Like however that works. I always tell people, I don't know how it works. I know there's something out there. It says, it's not, it's not my job to know how it works. I just know there's like That's a right. thing out there. Yeah. So let's talk about the era of, we grew up in an era where cultural and uh, I don't even want to say political because, because I think those are different, but, but uh, you know, cultural and social opinions don't mix with media and who you are as a persona and, and all of these things. And now we're going into where people are saying, hey, we need to know where you're at. So let's, let's, let's go there because, you know, you certainly let people know where you're at. And refreshingly enough, it's, it's, it's very different than where everyone else is at, which, is, which, is, which means that there's no peg that you fit perfectly in, uh, which is I always have the most respect for because that, that's actually like being like a real human that actually like digests information and, and comes up with their own conclusions, which I really appreciate. With that said, why don't you kind of talk about where you're at now, what you're doing on that side of it right now, the Gregory Act, just this whole kind of other side of, of who you are and, and what you're building. Well, I, I think- And, and first, to- for, well, why don't you say this? Before you get into that side, why don't you just give your opinion sure. on- media people and if you think that they have an obligation to state where they're at and 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 you know in regards to culture and, and social impact i mean what's crazy with you and me brandon is is that our careers span the inception of the independent thinker in the public media space right right from that that it was a very closed space obviously it was very traditional radio television newspaper you know, magazine, and those are very, you know, you know, you, you, you have to be given entry into those worlds type of worlds and worlds that both of us were able to circumvent and kind of infiltrate. And, and, and in that, in that former space, it was important for broadcasters and people of notoriety, athletes, whomever, Michael Jordan comes to mind to manage, you know, because the, the world is your oyster. It's all beholden to you. It's all yours to have. You know what I mean? There, there is no, you, you know, you, the gate's right there and the keeper's in front of it. And, and so what you wanted to do was maintain your status in that very safe space. And then the internet explodes. And then social media and Twitter explode. And then you find guy, obscure, you know, opinionated guy in, 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 in Texas over here has a you know, ha- has an opportunity to offer just as much of his opinion in the conversation as, as you would Anderson Cooper or whomever. Right. And, 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 and you go from being a, just give us the news giver or just be a media person who gives me my widget thing into a very precarious position where you might have to offer up some opinion. And I think that it isn't coming upon those people in those, because what they all have in common is influence. And I do believe that the world is full of people who need to be properly influenced. It's similar to your analogy about business. It's like, 
Yes, you got the go-getters who are the business starters. But on the other end of the spectrum, you have the person who fits perfectly into the space of not employee, but cog in the wheel. Sure. You know what I mean? And and every engine needs those. Or else, you, you know, right. one man right. can't do the whole thing by themselves. And so I look at music and entertainment and influence, positions of influence in that same way. Sure, it's good to be an independent thinker or just do your job over here. But if you don't understand that there's an inherent responsibility because you have an inherent influence over the people who consume that media, you're doing yourself a disservice, or at least you're doing the, the position a disservice. So I do believe that it's important that, that people put their own you know, aspirations of maintaining their job aside and say what it is that they really feel, if only for the fact that it inspires other people to do the same. I, and, and, and whether you be an athlete or a, or a music maker or you know, a, a, a TV anchor, you know, which in that world, especially political punditry, it's a little different. They've always kind of been opinionated. It's always been throwing around of opinions. It's always been the casting aspersions on this one and doubt on that one and then praise on this one. So it's always kind of been that thing, but that was a very safe space for people too. And now it's like, no, those, those walls are down. And now, but now here comes the other side of it, right? Which is responsibility. Cause now you know, everybody's talking, everybody's got something to say. Um, but how responsible are you with those words? Because again, influence, you know, you always have to, I think when you have a platform, you always have to think about the, the, the marginalized or the lower end of the spectrum. You always have to think about, you know, it, I'm not going to get too spiritual, but you know, there's a, 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 a saying that Jesus had, it says, take care of the poor for they'll always be with you. That translates in my mind as there's always going to be somebody poor of heart, poor of spirit, poor of mind. You know, not as quick a thinker, not as sharp a, uh, a knife in the drawer. And right. it is a, a, a very susceptible to things that most of us are going like, you listen to a song and a song informs you on how you dress and what you do. Yeah, there are people out there that are like that. And you need to keep that in mind when you are in the position of influence. So if you're Donald Trump, just as an example, and you understand <laughs> that there, there are people on the other end of the spectrum who don't know that you're probably not supposed to drink bleach you probably want to check your influence because you can get people hurt just by virtue of the spoken word. It's a very powerful thing. Right. So I take that seriously and I have been very motivated to engage in the conversation that we're having right now as a nation uh, on a couple of different levels. This one most important to me and people from my community. And, and what I try to, what I'm trying to do is make everyone understand that police do a great job. They do. They do a hard job. I think sometimes they can, I don't think sometimes, I think a lot of the time they make it harder on themselves because of a, of a, of a, a complex that comes with as much power as they are granted. Mm. And what we're watching unfold in our streets is, I don't think that it's, there's any question that we've jumped the shark when it comes to police interaction with the public, that they're there to make sure that the laws uh, are abided by correctly. I no longer say protect and serve because that's not even a part of the creed that they hold true to protect and serve what most people don't understand was was a mantra that was that was adopted from from a set of responsibilities they are to protect private property and they are to serve summons and warrants that's what those two words have always meant and we're talking about an institution that is less than 200 years old that that began you know keeping it a buck if you're if you're a researcher if you're a googler you know that the police were not uh, instituted as arbiters of law and order they were instituted as slave catchers, freedmen, well, not even freed slave catchers. That's where, that's where this institution came from. And you see the string of that 
you know, through from from that day to this, you see this the string of that sort of mentality in, in, in the way that they oversee <laughs> the community. Now, the danger that they pose, what I what we're what we're witnessing, if you're paying attention to social media, is the danger that they that they pose is not just to 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 people who look like me. It's to anyone with whom they feel their authority is being bucked or questioned and 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 that gray area that that immunity that they that you know because it's like well if they got to use force in 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 arbitrating the law then that's just what it is and it's like yeah probably not because people get hurt for real and communities are shattered for real and we got enough to worry about trying to get along between ourselves let alone trying to make sure that we are actually safe from those who would police us so the Gregory Act uh, is is just a way of reminding police officers who do a very tough job, but reminding them that one, it's just a job, and it is, and two, that if, if a cab driver has to be mindful of the way that they drive in order to maintain their medallion, a CDL driver has to be mindful about the way they drive in order to maintain their CDL driver's license, if a doctor has to be mindful of, 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 of how how much they push the gauntlet on the operating table, lest they, or, or, or in prescribing medicines or whatever, lest they find themselves in a malpractice lawsuit. If you, as a motorist, have to be very mindful of how you operate and, and, and abide by the laws in the streets, lest you, know, you lose the 12th point on your license and have your license revoked, a police officer should have the same, should have the same uh, onus and, 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 and sort of harbinger hanging over their head. So the Gregory Act, Shout out to Dick Gregory, rest in peace, is not something that I devised. Uh, you can look it up. You look up Dick Gregory, how do, you, how do you change a police officer's behavior? And the thought is this. You, you, you have a license to drive. A cab driver has a, a medallion to maintain. A doctor has a license, a, a medical license to, to, to practice medicine to maintain. And the thought is, is that, well, if all of us are held to that standard, how come police don't have to be licensed? not just licensed, but bonded and insured. Mm. Because in doing that, what you create is, well, listen. Well, you, cre- whatever- you create self-accountability too. Exactly. Because, because what exactly. happens is you have this fraternity that they work inside of. They all got, right. got each other's backs. And then right. on top of that, there's a union. And we know That's what unions right. do. Unions are there to protect no matter what even if it's wrong right. there's there's That's no right. morals when it comes to unions they're, they're there don't. to protect no matter what so right. you could be caught on tape you know killing someone in cold blood the union's specific job is to be there to protect you and so this makes them say okay if i do this now it doesn't matter about the union doesn't matter about my brothers doesn't matter about my story I'm going to put myself and my family in harm's way, right? That's right. And the way that the way that Dick Gregory said it was, forgive your audience. I hope will forgive me. This is Dick Gregory words, not mine, but I employ them. He says, give them something that they can lose. Do you hate me? Because you know we know that there can be biases with sure. policing. People are, can be biased, obviously. So it's directed in sort of at of this country. That's right. Now it's directed. His comments are directed more at police violence on African-Americans because that's a, a hot, <laughs> a hot topic. But the, 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 the question, that's the problem. And the right. question is, well, fine. You don't have to like me. I'm not trying to make you like me. I've never walked through my life trying to do that with anybody. What I will do is make you respect your job. 
And do you hate me more than you love feeding your family? Do you hate or do you want to abuse the, the public around you, whomever they may be? And I could show you enough videos to, to let people know. It might be people that look like me today. It's going to be you tomorrow when they know they can operate unimpugned without consequence. Right. So these, when, 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 when a police officer is, you know, when, or, or I should say when a police department is found guilty, I guess you would say in a wrongful death suit or a wrongful injury suit, you know, who ends up paying that, 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 that restitution out or, or that fine out or to, to the taxpayers, taxpayers, the taxpayer, right. you know, who should be paying it? The union, because then you know what you would have, you'd have good cops that would look at their brothers and be like, you're fucking with my retirement, bro. That's right. That's right. Reel that shit in. And that's all we want. That's all I think anyone can ask for is that police be held to the same standard that for God's sakes, doctors are held to, um, that nurses are held to, that cab drivers are held to, that you and I are held to as motorists. The same standard, which is you don't not run red lights because you don't want to go fast. Well, you run, you don't want to get into an accident. But two, you don't want to lose that point on your license, that last point on your license. So you're going to abide by the rules a little tougher if you're smart. And if not, you're not. And then you're going to lose your license. And then you're no longer a danger to people on the street, hopefully, because hopefully you're not driving without a license. But I think it's a safe measure, uh, along with making sure that, the, the, that those wrongful injury and death suits are paid out of police pension funds. All very simple legislation that can be put in place tomorrow and would change no one's life. You can have your gun. You can have your nightstick. Officer, be on your best behavior when you're in these streets. I, I see no issues with it. I mean, I mean, I shouldn't say I see no issues. There's always issues with everything. But I mean, to For me, sure. that, that sounds, I, I can't imagine why we wouldn't operate like that. You know, I can't like, either. Like, like, I'm sure that there's a couple things and people could have say you could pull out this one case and say, well, this was this, this. But I mean, at the end of the day, like we have such a problem right now that we've got to start creating accountability inside of that. Absolutely. Inside of the force for this interviews went so long the bar is opening up you hear the oh, roofs that are blasting behind me you hear this i might fly by there and conceive you tonight. <laughs> around, my friend. i'm so sorry that i took up a lot of time bro. I, I no problem on. no problem i'm actually uh i'm gonna be heading out here in about a half hour i'm still i still coach the denver north little league football team oh so. my dude yeah 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 we practice right over off of uh in lake middle which is 18th and, and feds 18th okay for 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 some of you listening, that's 18th Avenue and Federal and, and Federal, <laughs> and federal Boulevard. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's 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 go to the final three here. Uh, I'm going to hit you with a quick round here. Sure. The most important book to you ever. Ooh, uh, this. I mean, I just read it. Uh, and now, tip, the tipping point. Malcolm Gladwell is a is a. Oh my God, Malcolm Gladwell is one of my uh, between David and Goliath and the tipping point by Malcolm Gladwell, I was sure to have, I, I knew that I had my Bibles in hand for such a time as this. And then I just read Dick Gregory's, it's just the title of the book, Nigger. And it's changed me. <laughs> you have to, you gotta tell everybody, listen, it's just the title of the book. Right, that right. is the title of the book. Right, 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 you know right, 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 right. Uh, it's his autobiography. And it is, I don't know, man, it's just, it's there's so much compassion in that book. The title is so off-putting. I think to people in the times that we're living in, I would recommend it for anyone. If you're not going to read What the Dog Saw or I just love Malcolm Gladwell. I think he is one of the greatest uh, authors of at least my time. If you're not going to read any one of Malcolm Gladwell's books, I would make a beeline to, to Dick Gregory's biography because 
I think that it's something that there's so much compassion in there and there's so much raw reality in there. There's so many things that can be pulled on, I think for everyone, irrespective of race or gender, about what a survivor's, excuse me, mentality truly is. So yeah, it would would be that. I love that. Uh, You know, and and I think, uh, we talked about this last night, right? Specifically uh, with that title, and and it's you know it's supposed to be uncomfortable. Like this isn't supposed, supposed to, to be. Like, right? Like like hey, if you wanted to do something comfortable that could just sit on the Albertsons, uh, th- you know, that's right, book you know shelf, then he would have named it uh, you know the heart and soul of of whatever whatever you know. But, but like, <laughs> that's right. That was not the motive on that. That was not the motive. That was not um, the motive. most underrated athlete of all time. Ooh. I'm going to say Tiger Woods. And the only reason is because I think that I think golfers are traditionally underestimated as far as athletes mm. and athleticism. Okay. And his reign of his 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 reign of dominance when you consider what that consists of, anybody who's walked 9 holes, let alone 18, let alone 36, you see where I'm going with it. Right, um, right, I, right, right. and 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 to to be that consistent over that window of time that he was, and I know his fall from grace was precipitous, but uh, meteoric in fact <laughs> but uh over that course of that time i just don't think i think because of what he does he is not looked at as an athlete off top and then i and then from there you know you start to categorize him differently so i'd say tiger Woods. right right yeah yeah you're, you're absolutely right we don't say you know we say like jordan gretzky pele ali right but like right. no one ever says woods no <laughs> but, but like but but he was more dominant in his sport than all of them were in their sports it's just without question without question the space or the business that you're most excited about in the near future uh, quite honestly it's uh it's not a business thing at all it's uh well maybe it might end up being you know you get a couple public speaking gigs um i think using my voice to i think using lending my voice to the to the the know, fight is just but it is the fight for social change is what I think excites me more than anything. Like all the things that I think about that I'm involved in, I have literally been able to look at and been like, I could let that go. I could let that go. I could let that go. This one, I just, I can't let it go. And, and that it's actually a fear that I would be that person that, you know, sat by, when you felt like something needed to be done and didn't mm. do it. Mm. And then later on was able to see the aftermath and be like, damn, if I would have said something, if I would have done right, it. Right, right. Do you ever fear that the social change becomes your job and then because you end up being good at it, you end up doing the things that you're trying to accomplish and then you your message ends up getting owned by the by the by the job i hope not um i i again he's one of my heroes now and i didn't until recently delve into who he was as a orator or a mind but dick gregory was able to maintain a pretty successful comedy career while being one of the most vocal participants in in the civil rights movement and and everything after it wasn't just yeah. it's every it's everything after well we, we that, yeah go ahead. go ahead go ahead sorry no that dichotomy is just it's very interesting to me because we find out more and more i mean you found out 
and and I don't say this flippantly. You found out that you are more than one thing. Yeah, you are the you are the inspiration behind the DNVR. You are the inspiration behind the BSN network. But you are so many things to that group of people that look to you every day for leadership. And I know that it's probably easiest to occupy the space of leader, but you have so many voices that you that you that you have. You you kind of schizophrenic, my friend. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And it's yes, like, do yes, do the yes. hosting. You do the you do the selling. You do the, you know what I mean. And that that mentality is one that I I hope because it's just talking. You know what I mean. It's just it's just being available to exchange ideas and not being an asshole. I would hope that that my that it doesn't become a job. I would hope that it stays a passion. Yeah, one of the things that I see happening is is people with these incredible messages and you know, real motivations, they're doing real things. Um, and we see once they become more than the deliverer of messages, the leader of change, once they start getting paid large sums of money to become this, we, we talked about this last night, like I won't name the guy we were joking about, but you know, uh, they end up almost becoming like employees of their own movement. And then you start right. not being able to trust their message because they're That's getting right. paid by it. And and so that's always such a weird thing, you know, when you see them yeah. transform like that and they transform like that, like right over, you know, social media, like, like, let's just say, for example, like, and I'm not going to voice, I'm not voicing my opinion uh, because no one knows these things, but let's say like, for example, like D-Ray, like out of the blue, you get this guy and he's like, you know, like, I think I was... I, I like came across D-Ray like during the Michael Brown thing. Everybody's so moved. There's all this change that needs to be done. There is people that need to organize these movements and stuff. And and then as time goes on, these guys evolve into like these like into businesses and like they yeah. become a business. And then you start hearing things. And then you start and then these are paid gigs. And then right. there's and then there's special special interest groups that are coming in and now you're now you're being leveraged financially and it's like and then now you step back and you're like whoa is this that same dude still you know is this it, it, does he feel this it, it does he mean this anymore you know or or should I not should I should I should I keep following him down the rabbit hole or should I stop now because because now he's being paid to lead me somewhere you know and that's it's right. always such a weird thing cult of, cult of personality man and it's and it's not falling in love with the results you know what I mean I think that it, because the results are residual and they're usually, you know, some of them can be, you know, it, it just, it, it, the process is always the thing that's most, that's most worthy of human appreciation because we don't know how to handle kudos. We don't know how to handle results. And I don't think that that's a bad thing. I think it's indicative. And I think it's, it's like a, you know, a dogged pursuer of, of, of success is somebody who's just never content and never happy. Well, if you're in a social change space, What's success? Well, a check and, and, and admiration can be seen as that because a lot of people listen to your message until the thing gets passed that, that changes the thing. Well, then you, 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 you're, you're constantly just being cheered on and, right, right. and, or, 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 you know, obviously you have your detractors. So then, you know, the success becomes, uh, I stuck it to that detractor and, uh, uh, and you didn't change a thing. You just, you know, you had a debate that went well. And so, I, I don't have any designs whatsoever on being anything more than a real, I got three daughters. 
one of whom <laughs> her and I are going tooth and nail. <laughs> I got three girls that I got to pass this world off to. And if, if, if I can't with in all honesty, say that it won't feel done until I know that they're safe, then anything that I should reap, any benefit I should reap of, you know, exercising my voice would be wasted because I could rob banks or sell dope to give them money mm, and not right. put myself, not my, not put myself in, in jeopardy. You know what I'm saying? Well, right. that this type of jeopardy. <laughs> right, <stuff>. right, right, right. <laughs> and, and oddly enough, I, I, I feel more comfortable thinking about that type of jeopardy. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, and, and, and listen, I'll say too, I don't. I, it's not wrong to make money uh, because. No, it's not. Yeah, yeah. It's it's just you know it, it's it's just money complicates things when you're running a business and you're generating revenue. It's whatever. But when you are like when when it's when you're mixing in with social and culture and this stuff, it's so easy you know, for, for, for that to end up being different than, than what you want. And so, you know, I think that a lot of times this goes back to one of the questions we talked about earlier is that it's probably better to, that we have, that you are somebody that has some shit going on outside of this and you are doing yes. things, you're building this and you're a comedian and you're a, you know, whatever, like, and you're able to say like, Hey man, I'm over here to help. Cause this is what I do in my spare time. I want to change this world right. better for my daughters. I want to make it better for my people. I want to stop seeing people being killed by police. you know, whatever these, these, these problems that you're, that you're trying to change are uh, or solve are, but you know, my money's made over on this side, you know, uh, it's, yeah. it's cleaner. It's cleaner that way. Absolutely. It's like, it's, it's just like politics. It literally is just like, right. in it's as just much like to politics. Say that that's right. That's right. A politician, a politician that, isn't well compensated. Oh, we got know. a lot of rich ones right now. <laughs> yeah, we do. You know what I mean? <laughs> the incentive, then the job becomes, well, what can I look to change next? I got to keep this job going. You know what that's I mean? Right. That's right. That's right. That's not the, uh, we got an end goal in mind. And we'll start with the Gregory Act. And, and then if there's anything else that needs my voice, I'll lend it to that. So, where, where can we find out more and help out on the Gregory Act? I'll tell you this much. If you go to, and this is, uh, it's, uh, there's a website that it's like care.org. Here, let me just pull this up so I don't butcher okay. this. Yep. And the only reason I'm doing that is because I personally am a dullard when it comes to URLs and things of that nature. So if you go to my Instagram, is the greatest way to find and sign the petition. It's just a petition. I actually got a meeting here in about an hour and a half, getting together with a couple mentors and some and, and some business partners. We're gonna refine it and make sure that it has everything in it that it needs in it. But okay. so the best place to go without giving everyone a very long, a very long URL to follow is just go to my, my Instagram page, kill dead rabbit, K I L L D E A D R A three, three I T. So kill dead rabbit and just take the B's and turn them into threes. Um, if you, if you go on there, there's a link in my bio that can take you to the Gregory act. And once we have it more refined and the website is up, I'll have more information. on. Awesome, man. Well, this was great. We, we, I mean, we ran the gamut, right? Yeah, we did. Front to back. And still got about four hours more to go if we wanted to. <laughs> That's man, my guy, man. Thank you so much, bro. Yeah, um, man. Much love. I love you, bro. Like, yeah, for real. I love you too, bro. For real.
it's uh it's great to and hey you know if you guys like this episode uh we got we got some what do they say we got some moas stone right? we got some moas stone oh we got some moas stone you better you better you better know huh there's some there's some things coming down the pipe so just uh, hold tight and you know we're gonna be we're gonna be putting some stuff together man Oren, appreciate you so much man yeah, man. Thank you, Brandon. For real. Keep doing what you're doing, bro. You are literally an inspiration to your peers. If you don't, if don't nobody else tell you, I tell you. More life, more living. You know what I mean?